Hey, Fred, Keith here. Before we start the episode, I just wanted to jump in really quickly to share with you about a little book that I've just put out recently. It's called Breakup, How to Heal and Thrive After a Relationship Ends. You know, I had a marriage of about 24, 25 years end in divorce, and it crushed me. I mean, it really got me down. But after I licked my wounds for a while, I decided I need to put together a strategic plan to pivot from this loss into my next chapter. So I put together this little plan that I call Thrive. So if you're going through a breakup right now, or maybe you've just gone through one recently and you could use a little help, I encourage you to look for the link in the show notes and check out Breakup, How to Heal and Thrive After Relationship Ends. All right, now on with the show. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Keith. I'm your host, Keith Brown. You know, my mission for this podcast, my business, and even my life is to help my LGBTQ plus family turn their hurting into healing and their healing into happiness. With this podcast, I try to do that in a couple of ways. On Wednesdays, I produce what I call Table Talks. That's either solo episodes or me bringing in fabulous guests to talk about all types of subjects related to the community. On Friday, well, those are solo episodes, and I call those Bible Talks. That's just yours truly, sitting down with a bit of scripture, interpreting it as accurately as I possibly can, and then sharing some practical application for life. Now, two disclaimers, if I may, please. Number one, I am not a medical professional, nor am I a licensed therapist. If you need either of those services, please do consult a licensed professional. Disclaimer number two, the views expressed on this podcast are either those of myself or my guests, and they should be considered as such. So grab that cup of coffee, have a seat at my table, and let's chat on this episode of Coffee with Keith. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Coffee with Keith. I'm Keith Brown, your host for this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. This is a Friday Bible Talks episode, and I want to just share with you from the Gospel of Matthew this week. Um, This is part of the lectionary reading. If you remember that I often use the lectionary when I am talking about um, the Scripture because it goes along with the corresponding Sundays that churches will be using around the world as they read Scripture that's tied to a particular subject, and they'll read the Old Testament and the New Testament and a psalm, and and they always read the Gospel as well. So uh, the Gospel reading for this coming Sunday is a much longer passage This is part of the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus teaches in a lot of parables. And you might remember that here that Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. He's off in the water, and there's a crowd gathered on the shore, and they are listening to Jesus. And Jesus talks in parables, and parables were nothing new to these people. It was very common in this tradition. It was common in the Jewish tradition, and and they would expect it, all right? So it wasn't it wasn't anything that was out of the norm for them. And Jesus did a beautiful job in the Gospels displaying these parables and teaching lessons. And this whole section of Matthew, the 13th chapter, is full of parables. And um, something else that Jesus often did, which is, I think, important to any good speaker, Jesus or even a contemporary speaker today, Jesus used things that the people could relate to. For instance, the people knew of about fishing, right? Because they lived around this water and, you know, they ate fish and and there were fishermen there. And so he would talk about that. He would talk about a harvest and plants because obviously they had to grow food. So 
Jesus used things in the ordinary to explain the extraordinary. And I think that that is one of the reasons why, just if we look at it from a critique basis, the the teachings that we see of Jesus in the Gospels, is they're so powerful because they point such vivid ideas and such important lessons using the ordinary. And I just really like that. And today, I want to share with you one of these parables. Now, like I said, it's part of a longer reading for this Sunday, but I'm only going to read two verses. It comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. Now, 33 is sort of a continuation of this parable, because in 33, Jesus talks about the unleavened bread and the flour and and that kind of thing, okay, the yeast. But I don't really want to focus on that in this particular devotional time. I really want to look at verses 31 and 32 of Matthew chapter 13. We find these words. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. Okay, now let's talk about this text a little bit from a more um, exegetical and synoptic uh, basis. In other words, let's compare it to the other Gospels. Let's compare it um, in idea with Old Testament. Let's compare it to the writer of Matthew's purpose in writing the Gospel. All those things come into play in this particular telling of this parable. Why? Because here we we talk about the mustard seed. Now there are there are varieties of mustard seeds. Consensus by a lot of scholars believe that this is the black mustard, and this is an annual plant, and it was a very common plant in this area. And in some ways, it might be considered a weed. I mean, it was very common. It was almost um, invasive, really, and it started out this annual. Uh, seed in the ground, and then it would grow into a massive bush that would often reach heights of nine feet tall, for instance. So from this little tiny seed, which, you know, comparatively speaking, the seed could, there are smaller seeds, but the idea is the same. From this seed comes this massive growth. Now, it's also interesting because Matthew talks about this seed and this probably black mustard seed being planted in the fields. Now, why is that significant? Because Matthew's purpose and the Gospel of Matthew is primarily written to people of Jewish tradition. He is talking to people who know about the Torah, people who know about the Jewish tradition, people who know about the things that were okay and not okay for them to do as Jewish people. Because you remember that the purpose of Matthew, the great purpose of Matthew, was to show and illustrate that Jesus was the promised Messiah that the Jewish people had been awaiting. So in that light, Matthew's recording of this idea had to be in line with that. And why do we see that? For a couple of reasons. In this telling, unlike in the Gospel of Luke, the planting of the seed is in a field, where is Whereas if you go to the Gospel of Luke and you look at the mustard seed parable there, the seed is planted in the garden. Now, why is that significant? Because any good Jew would know that a mustard seed was never planted in one's garden. It was invasive. It was a pain in the butt. 
You didn't plant it there. So the Gospel of Matthew illustrates that it was planted out in a field. They would understand this was something out there. It wasn't part of the garden, which was also significant because it was in the outcast. So we can make all types of inferences there in the bigger picture of this telling. But in the Gospel of Luke, it says that it was planted in the garden. And some scholars have suggested that this could be because Luke's purpose was written to a more not, nor non-Jewish audience. These were often Gentiles who the Gospel of Luke was trying to appeal to. So they were less invested into the Jewish tradition, and so they didn't care or didn't know about this idea of not ever planting a mustard seed in one's garden. And that's a possibility. But it's also interesting because if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, this Greek here about this mustard seed turns in, he says, to a shrub, which would indicate the shrub mustard seed, not a tree. But yet he then follows it up by saying it becomes like a tree. Now, the mustard bush is a very soft, pliable type of structure. So really, it is a very tall and lanky bush-like growth. But I think that if we look at this text, Matthew, the writer of Matthew is trying to say, but it has the appearance of a tree because it is high. It is massive in growth. This is also significant because remember that the writer of Matthew is always trying to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. So he is always trying to tie the lessons and the structure of Matthew back to the Old Testament, back to the prophetic voices that we find in the Old Testament. And here, I think he uses carefully the term tree to do just that. Because there is a significance in the Old Testament about the birds building their nest in the tree and taking comfort and peace and safety. So I think that there is an inferred connection to the Old Testament law and prophecies. Very purposeful done by the writer of Matthew. Because in truth, this mustard shrub bush would not have been sturdy enough for a bird to come and make a, a, a nest in. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't hold up. So I think there had to be another purpose for it. So I say all that to say that there are differences between the, the gospel accounts of the mustard seed parable, but it also goes to show how important it is for us when we go to the Bible and we look at the writings that we take into account the, the, the purpose of that book, the writing style of that book, the reason for that book. You know, all these things come into play. So I wanted to share that with you. So there are also going to be people who disagree what this parable really means. Some people say it's referring to faith. Some people say it's referring to the gospel message, how it starts here and it grows big. Some people think it's referring to the kingdom of God, which started very small with these 12, and it grow and grows and grows exponentially over all these many years. People think it means a lot of things. If you go back and look at the early fathers about this, I have, they will write about different ideas in relation to this parable. But for us, may I suggest that we don't get as worried about the particular detailed meaning here, and instead we sort of take a step 
back. And we look at this parable in a little broader sense. And I think if we do that, we can come away with a pretty consistent idea across all these many opinions of what this text is teaching. Because if we step back, I think we can say this very, very clearly and very accurately. In this parable, we see that often things start very small, but can become very big. Things can start very simple and become very magnificent. Things can start with little and become a lot. This is exactly the, the thought and the mantra of Mother Teresa, for instance, the great um, sister in, in the Catholic nun who, who was in Calcutta, who cared for the poor and, and reached out and helped the children and did all these things. Her message was simply to start and love, to love unconditionally where she was and, and loving the people in her immediate area people that needed her there. And when she concentrated on that, and when she preached that, and when she lived that, the next thing you know, before she died, Mother Teresa was had impacted people around the world. Because what she did started very small, but it became very large. Because I believe God blessed it. So, what could we pull from this? Well, I'm going to tell you what I pull from it, and, and, and this is sort of where I am, and, and this is why this parable helps me. One of the things that I know about Keith is that Keith's main purpose in life, his main calling in life, the thing that I think I was put on this planet to do was to help other people. I believe that I was put here to courage, and help people heal and grow and become stronger. That's it. That, that is the main purpose I exist. Now, it's taken many forms along my many years of life. <laughs> but if I narrow it down, that's, that's my purpose, to help and love and encourage other people. Now, Having said that, let me also say this. There have been times in my life when I felt, huh, I don't know if I'm really making much difference. I don't, I don't know if I'm impacting anybody. I don't know if I'm helping anybody. I don't know if I'm making a difference. There have been times in my life when I felt my life was rather insignificant. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that maybe you just don't matter? That whether you're here or not makes no real difference to the world? Now, that's not true because we know that there are people who love us there are people who care about us. There are people who would miss us if we weren't here. But sometimes I think we can all get to that feeling that we, you know, am I making a difference? Do I matter? 
And I can tell you, I really have faced that in times in my life. And there are days when I have to wonder and I see things that I'm going, you know, you know, I'm I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing, I'm doing this thing, and I'm doing that thing, and, and I'm you know, is it making a difference? And then it only takes one little incident that can turn and shift my whole thinking. For instance, it was one day that I was having a kind of a pity party. I was wondering, like, oh my gosh, you know, I and I keep working, I keep doing things, I keep you know, trying to, to, you know, to make a difference. And, and there are days when I, this day I thought like, you know, I don't know. Am I, am I doing any good? And then I get an email. I get an email from a person that has the kindest words. The words were so affirming to me. And the words were that, I don't even know what it was. They didn't say. But there's something that I said, something that I shared with them. They said, made an absolute difference in their life. And I went, oh, thank you, Lord. Something in probably at the time I said very insignificantly, without much thought just sharing from my heart, and God used it for good. So I want to encourage you, friend, if, you, if you're feeling like right now, you know, I'm not making this, I'm not making a big splash in the world, you know, uh, I, I, the, the ocean seems pretty flat in my life, and I don't seem to be making a lot of waves. Well, let me tell you, as the writer Jeff Gordon, uh, 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 Seth Roden says, uh, well, I can't even think of his name right now. But anyway, the author says, it's easier to make a splash in a pool than it is the ocean. <laughs> Start small. It can often be just one little act of kindness, one little act of love, one little act of care. And the next thing you know, it has a greater impact than you can ever imagine. So I think the reminder of this lesson is, oh, and by the way, I will find out the author's name and put it in the show notes. I'm sorry. I just had my, my mind just blanked out. But anyway, I'll, put, I'll credit him in the show notes. So check it out there if you're interested. But I think the lesson for us today is this. Do what you can where you are. And if you have the right purpose behind it, I think God will take that little act and grow it into something amazing. So let me ask you, are you willing to do the small and let God be in control of the big? Until next time, heal your hurts, move your mountains, and may God bless you. Bye-bye, my friend. Well, there you go, my friend. This episode of Coffee with Keith. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Now, please stick around. One more announcement I want to give you. God bless you. See you next time.